Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question. Who's your favorite former ACC member? <laughs> Not Maryland. Not Maryland. Not Maryland. And I think that's the only correct answer at this point, Joey. Yeah. Hey, uh, Big Ten, no take backsies. Yeah, definitely no take backsies. No um, also, I'm not one of these guys that's going to give like Maryland a bunch of credit for firing DJ Durkin about 24 hours after they reinstated him to the football program. I'm uh, I'm not one of those guys who's going to be like, oh, yeah, good for Maryland. Uh, no, you screwed it up. And then everybody yelled at you and then you tried to fix it like better late than never. I get all that. But like you're not getting any credit for me. Maryland really trying to follow the uh, Tennessee head coaching search model of how to handle this public outcry right now. It's it's not going great. Yeah, uh, not yeah. well. Mike, we sit here recording on uh, Halloween evening. We are uh, finishing all the candy that we did not give out to the kids that came by today for weather and other related purposes. Um, and we're going to sit here and preview some Week 10 games. You, uh, you ready to go for that? I'm ready. Let's do it. We do have some uh, listener emails that we need to get to first. Uh, first from and, – and by the way – there's this weird like fascination with Brian Van Gorder in these emails. So I hope you've been kind of reading up and researching on your Brian Van Gorder takes. Uh, Cause we gotta, we gotta give some insights here for the listeners. Uh, first from the trusty uh, uh, number one listener, Andrew Parker writes, it's Brian Van Gorder week for my beloved Clemson Tigers. What's the under for the amount of touchdowns my Tigers will need to hit in order to guarantee that BBG gets to keep his job while still having Clemson win the game? Actually, on second thought, would rather run him and Petrino out of the conference if possible. So, Mike, what what is the uh, the break-even point here for Brian Van Gorder keeping his job while Clemson also wins? Ten and a half touchdowns. Woo, that's a lot. Yeah, that's but lot. I, I, part, part of me thinks they'll hit it. I Yeah. I, I could see that. <laughs> so, yeah. They almost did that against a much better Florida State defense last week on the road. Correct, which is why I think they might hit it. Yeah, this this Louisville-Clemson game, we're going to get there much, much later, but it's it's basically going to be a name-your-score game for Clemson. If I see what Andrew's saying, though, is that you know having Brian Van Gorder as a defensive coordinator within the division has not been a very – uh, daunting task for a lot of the divisional foes to have to face. So I, I hear what you're saying. Um, we also got an email from Mr. Keith Derrick, and this came through Facebook. And so I, I'm trying to figure out how the logistics of all this works. I think you got the email address on Facebook and sent it or something, but because the message didn't show up within Facebook, it's a whole thing. I don't know. 
Anyways, Keith Derrick with maybe a more serious question, a couple of questions here. Um, hey, wanted to know who will take over the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award if he gets fired, A, and B, wants us to tell the story of how this award came about. Uh, and Keith, that's a good question, and we haven't really talked about that in a while. I'm going to start actually by mentioning the fact, and, and this is something that I used to mention to kick off every single podcast, and I have not really gotten in the habit of in a while. And I sit here and I wear a Georgia Tech shirt, and I'm, I'm pretty shameless about my Georgia Tech fandom, but I am also a Louisville fan. Uh, my my dad was born and raised in Louisville in the St. Matthews area, for those familiar. Uh, my, my family growing up is always a big Kentucky UofL rivalry. So Louisville is a school that I support. And any, any jokes or comments I'm making about them this year is uh, more out of just objectively recognizing what they are as a program rather than what I want for them as a program. I, I want them to be good and all this. It's just, I don't, I don't like where they're at right now. Now, Mike, I, I think you can probably step in here and help tell the story that the Brian Van Gorder Memorial you tried award actually did not start while he was a like a an employed member of this conference right like he was not here um he was coaching at notre dame actually uh for brian kelly and then we didn't hear from him for a while after of course brian kelly fired at mid-season in the four and eight year in 2016 um how it came about way, was that was also sure. the year that Georgia then later hired him to consult against Georgia Tech against how to play the option and then got beat at Sanford Stadium. Go yeah. notorious BVG. Yeah. Um, it's called the Memorial, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award for a reason. It's because we don't care if he's in the conference or not. Um, it was, it made a lot more sense when he was not in the conference. It's because we were memorial. Uh, now that he's in the conference, it doesn't make as much sense, but it's still funny. How it came about was we were pretty drunk on the podcast. And by we, I mean me. And <laughs> I basically just made a declaration that this was going to be the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award. And we've pretty much gone with it ever since. Um, we drink on this podcast when we record. That's kind of our thing. Dilly we've, done dilly. we've done that for three years. Um, we have a drink or two during every recording. And... Uh, yeah, got tuned up and made fun of BBG, and that's it's been that way ever since. So, whether he's at Louisville or not next season, which I, you know, my money's on him not being at Louisville next year, um, he's still going to have that award named after him, no matter what. He's just such a. And coming into this season, we decided to almost rename him a little bit, the Notorious BVG. And and as much as that is kind of a, a play on obviously you know Biggie Smalls, the rapper, the whole thing, and and making fun of Brian a little bit, it's like. In a way, he's actually a very notorious kind of coach in football circles, both college and professional. You go back to 2000, and he has been jumping around jobs like like you would think it was just a normal thing, right? I mean, he was at Western Illinois as a defensive coordinator, then Georgia as defensive coordinator, then one year of linebackers coach for the Jaguars, one year as head coach at Georgia Southern, a year as linebackers coach for the Falcons, four years as the Falcons defensive coordinator, then Auburn's defensive coordinator, Jets linebackers coach, Notre Dame defensive coordinator for three years. They got fired mid-year, joined on as Georgia's defensive assistant, then was an Oklahoma State defensive assistant, is now at Louisville's defensive coordinator. I mean, he's had almost a new role every single year since 2000, and I, I think some of it speaks to kind of who he is and, and how some of his stuff works or doesn't. Um, Mike, it kind of brings up an interesting question to me, too, is uh, 
he uh, think about this. So Louisville's defense has been bad this year, right? It hasn't been any good, and and we like to pin a lot of that on Brian Van Gorder. Let's play a scenario here. Brian or uh, Bobby Petrino, still head coach of Louisville in 2019. He has total autonomy with what to do with his staff. You're you're in his shoes. Are you firing Brian Van Gorder after this year? I am. Okay. Why is that? Because he's bad at his job. Let me put it this way. You fire Brian Van Gorder as Bobby Petrino. Who are you hiring? A. B, are you prepared to have your fourth different defensive coordinator in four seasons? A, don't know. B, don't care. <laughs> I mean, it sums it up. It sums it up, you know? But at this point, who's going to work with Bobby Petrino? Like, I think that might have something to do with this. What, what I look at is like a half-assed defensive coordinator hire of, of Brian Van Gorder, and it's like, well, nobody wants to work with Petrino, A. But B, whoever you do find that wants to work with him, is that like a step change that increases the quality of your defense more than just simple consistency year over year would in the coaching staff? Well, let me answer your question with a question. Would you rather have Brian Van Gorder or Peter Sermon? I th- uh, maybe Sermon because At least we said, can recruit. We so we said something to Ethan Moore. If you'll remember this, when we were recording the preseason podcast. We said to him because he asked us. He said, "Well, there's no way Van Gorder can be worse than Peter Sermon." And you and I said that Brian Van Gorder was at least a minimal step up for Peter Sermon. Flash forward ten weeks more or less, because we recorded that Syracuse podcast about a week and a half before the season started. Let's move ahead 10 weeks. Who's the better defensive coordinator? <laughs> Peter Sermon or Brian Van Gorder? Well, that's the thing is like, if I'm, if I'm choosing which one to keep, I've got to acknowledge that Sermon is at least like recruiting coordinator level of recruiter and can at least get talent on that side of the ball. In theory. I mean, Van Gorder can't, I don't know that he's going to be a, an above average recruiter nor an above average coach slash scheme guy, you know? So at this point, like, I, I mean, at least Sermon has that one positive in there. I don't know. Not a pretty scene. Um, I, I'm curious to see how Petrino handles this going forward. I'm curious to see if Petrino's still a coach next year. Um, one of the things we've been talking about a little bit lately o- offline here, Mike, is this idea of like coaches getting fired in the ACC, you know, this year and thinking that there's going to be a couple of openings coming. And yet every potential opening you look at, there's a massive, absurd buyout kind of standing in the way that you don't know if the schools are going to be able to shoulder the load of or not. You know, think about Larry Fedora at UNC, right? It's I mean, that's like a $15 million buyout. Bobby Petrino has a $14 million buyout. Like, are they going to sit there and pony up all this cash just to not have a guy coach and then go pay another coaching staff? Um, that's something that I think has to be kind of uh, kind of considered. And if Louisville does retain Bobby Petrino, then is he retaining Brian Van Gorder or is he going for D.C. number four in four years? I, I don't know. Well, it's always interesting when these coaches have the decision to make about or these programs have the decision to make about their coaches where they're like, okay, well, we got this massive buyout. Do we pay it, right? Um, one outside of the conference it'll be interesting to watch is Gus Malzahn at Auburn, right? Because going into last year, he was on the chopping block, and then Auburn damn near makes the playoff last year, and then he gets an extension, and now Auburn is underperforming because what do you know? They don't have a really good running game this year, and Jared Stidham doesn't really look the same at quarterback, and now Gus Malzahn back on the chopping block with now a massive, massive buyout. Um 
we're seeing it a lot of different places, not only in the ACC, but of course outside the ACC as well. It makes you wonder, like, you know, are you confident enough in your program and your athletic department to make the right hire for the next head coach? And are you confident enough in that next hire that's going to be infinitely better than the one you have now? If so, you buy the coach out. You buy the current coach out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the one the one guy that's always come up is Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame, because Notre Dame was paying Charlie Weiss's buyout for legitimately like eight or nine years. It just kept going and going and going. And I think for a lot of Notre Dame fans, you look at Brian Kelly, and it's been a complicated, uh, it's been a complicated career for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame for a number of reasons. But he takes them to a national championship game in 2012. Of course, they get stomped. Um, they were in the playoff race last year. Of course, it went four and eight two years ago, right? They were probably one of the most improved teams in college football last year. And they're number four in the college football playoff rankings uh, in, in the first ranking this year, uh, as we sit here about to turn the page into November. So Notre Dame is a is now a perennial top 10, top 15 team under Brian Kelly. I think most fans would say that it was worth it to get Brian, go get Brian Kelly, let Charlie Weiss go, even though the buyout was freaking ridiculous. So that's something to monitor here with the ACC schools, right? Like North Carolina isn't necessarily going to get like a big time guy to replace Larry Fedora. Louisville, probably not going to get a big time guy to replace Bobby Petrino. So who's next, right? And that's always the question. Can you hire the next coach to be infinitely better than the guy you have now. If so, pay that massive buyout. Two thoughts on the uh, Auburn Malzahn situation. A, we're less than a year from talking about an Auburn team that had beaten both Georgia and Alabama and came within eight points of beating Clemson on the road, meaning they could have, they were eight points away from having a win over three of the four playoff teams. So, in conclusion, that's absurd. Why are we talking about firing Malzahn less than a year after he did that? Thought number two. Boosters. Boosters, buddy. I I mean, yeah, but it's still absurd. It is, but boosters. Thought number two. If, by some magic, Auburn elects to get rid of Malzahn, sign me up for a ticket to the Gus bus, and we can hurry this whole Paul Johnson thing up and get Gus into Georgia Tech because I want that guy as my coach if, if Auburn doesn't. Bring him in. Let's do it right now. Yep, but he's undoubtedly taking a couple of years off. I mean, isn't he? I don't know. We had this discussion offline. I like on some level, I still kind of refuse to believe this is a real discussion with Malzahn. That just doesn't seem right. I, I just, I can't see it. I, I refuse to believe it. I don't know. He like, just signed. He just signed the extension, Joe. I know they're gonna owe him like forty million dollars or something stupid like that. What are you doing, Auburn? Just calm down and just let the man work. Just it's such. It's work. such a. It's such a giant amount of money that I can't believe they'll actually pay the buyout. But boosters will pay for almost anything. It's unfathomable, Mike. We got week ten games. We got another full slate. Seven ACC games featuring the full conference of 14 teams. We start Friday night, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN2, the Deuce. Uh, The Pittsburgh Panthers on the road in Charlottesville taking on the – is that the hashtag 23 Virginia? Oh, God. Is Virginia ranked? Virginia's ranked. Is that scary? 
Oh, dear. Uh, all right. The hashtag 23 Virginia Cavaliers are a seven and a half point favorite at home. <laughs> Taking on the Panthers. 7.30 p.m. on Friday. Seven and a half points. Pitt has been playing better. Virginia seems like they're just consistently, quietly doing their thing. How do we feel about this game, Mike? It's barely more than a score. Virginia's kind of been just beating everybody. But, I mean, Pitt has some life to them. And, I mean, this – in a weird way, this could kind of give Pitt the lead in the Coastal Division if they win this game. Do you want to get some people mad online? Oh, yeah. That's what this podcast is about, if nothing else. I, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Who does Nate Peterman remind you of? Nate Peterman? No, uh, not Nate Peterman. Jesus. Well, Nate Peterman, too. It's, <laughs> it's still, it's still fits, It still fits the bill. Let's try Kenny Pickett, the current Pitt quarterback. Kenny Pickett. Oh, so so Mike, so we talked about this on uh, the recap show for week nine. And I, and I told you I was I was thinking that he reminded me of somebody in that he he's like an average ish passer uh, more, you know, brings some value in his athleticism. He can run, um, added some some rushing yards in that win last week. And I was trying to figure out who he reminded me of. And as I thought about it earlier this week, I came to a conclusion that is going to bother a lot of people, and I'm not sure who's going to be more mad about this. Kenny Pickett, if you look at his stats and you kind of look at the general profile of who he is as a quarterback, uh oh, does he remind you at all, like just a little bit maybe, of one Malik Rozier down at Miami? Oh, oh no. I mean, if you look at it, the touchdown to interception ratio, the passer rating, the yards per game, the fact that they're mobile and can add something to the run game. Kenny Pickett is alarmingly close to Malik Rozier as it comes to making a quarterback profile here. Bad game manager? I, I'm not sure, again, who's going to be more mad about that. Is that Miami fans or Pitt fans or what? But, yeah, kind <laughs> of an iffy game manager who's going to hit some big throws down the field and otherwise be pretty inefficient as a passer and then just run, and that's about the best they got. I think the only way Miami fans will be triggered at this point is if Malik Rozier is still the starter on Saturday, right? Which mm-hmm. he, which he is. So mm-hmm. I think they will be more triggered than Pitt fans. <laughs> it's possible. What is probable. going on at Miami? All at the same time. We'll what see. Pitt, Pitt doesn't exactly have a long lineage of like outstanding quarterbacks, right? Like, they have a long lineage of transfer quarterbacks. They they do. <laughs> that they do. Can uh, it's not that? Yeah. Uh, name your favorite transfer quarterback. Mine's Max Brown. Tom Savage. Oh, Tom Savage. Mine's Max Brown still. Man, Nate Peterman getting left out in the cold today. All right. Yeah. yeah. Multiple Tennessee transfer quarterbacks in there, by the way. Um, Mike, I, I have no analysis on this game. I here Here's what's going to happen. Uh, Virginia is going to let like four guys touch the ball on offense. Uh, they're going to play pretty good defense. Pittsburgh is going to have a rough time trying to run the ball. Kenny Pickett's going to make a throw or two, and this is going to be kind of a low-scoring, ugly football game. And because Virginia is seven and one against the spread this year, give me the give me the Cavaliers to cover here at home on a Friday night and a weeknight. Uh, yeah. Let's go Cavaliers. Twenty-seven to seventeen. Let's make it eight and one against the spread. I got Virginia as well for no good reason. I just think they're better than Pitt, I guess. Well, I guess that is a good reason. I'll, I'll, whatever. I tweeted this out, Mike, and, and I'll reiterate. Virginia currently leading the Coastal, and as we make our way into November, 
They are 48th in S&P Plus. Mm, You're winning a Power 5 division and barely a top 50 team by the metrics. So don't don't be upset if I'm having a tough time quantifying you as a team and what you what you are or or should be. I it's it's been a rough go of it for uh, trying to figure out what Virginia is this year. They seem like they seem like one of the worst conferences, but they being the ACC seems like one of the worst conferences in the country. I don't hate the under in this game either. The total's 48. Um, this weeknight under principle maybe, but I mean, either of these, I'd say probably both of these defenses may be better than the offenses, but even then I don't know how good Pitt's defense is. So again, yeah, I'd leave uh, it. Yeah. I'd probably leave that alone. Let's move on, Mike. Saturday, we got six games. We're going to start in the uh, the world-famous 3.45 p.m. ACC Network Extra time slot. Gross. <laughs> As the number 24 Boston College Eagles are a two-point road favorite in Blacksburg against your Virginia Tech Hokies. Are you going to be there? I will be there, sir. God bless. Godspeed. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, Boston College, uh, Boston College bringing a healthy D train to town. Uh, Virginia Tech trying to lick their wounds from a rough, rough rushing defense performance against Georgia Tech. And as we mentioned before, Shoe Buddy, if you thought Georgia Tech was good at running the ball, you might want to, uh, you know, just fasten your seatbelts for this Boston College team coming to town. Yeah. Call A.J. Dillon Yankee Doodle, Joey. <laughs> Yankee he's, Doodle Dandy. Yeah, because he's going to town. Uh, yeah. yeah, BC by more than two. I have no faith in Virginia Tech. Zero faith. Zero. I could see it, honestly. So the thing is, if if Virginia Tech can find a way to contain the run game of Boston College, nope. force Anthony Brown to throw the ball a little bit and then create a couple of turnovers, and Boston College's defense is not ideal. Like, you can... Have some success throwing against them, and all right, that's fine. Boston College covers two. I'm with you. Yeah, BC covers two because, like, okay, fine. You stop AJ Dillon, which isn't going to happen. But say they stop AJ Dillon. Let's let's say they do that. Great. Anthony Brown completes even fifty percent of his passes. They're probably going for big plays. Mm-hmm. Like this Virginia Tech secondary sucks too. So, um, yeah. Uh, do you think BC is afraid of going into Blacksburg right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, with a defense and a run game like that, I don't know that they're really afraid of going much of anywhere. Correct. Honestly. Correct. Good answer, Joey. BC wins and covers here. I think I'm going to go with you on that one. Yeah. Um, let's go Boston College 30, 35. 27. I think Hokies can keep this one relatively close. Maybe maybe get a, a late score to make it look closer than it is. Yep. But yeah, it it's crazy, Mike. We were talking before this this episode started up. If you start looking at the the rest of the schedule for Virginia Tech, them and Florida State both you know own the two longest active bowl streaks in the country, and Florida State has a little bit of an asterisk on it, depending on some games that were vacated or this kind of thing. The thought was, will Florida State make a bowl game this year? And if not, will Virginia Tech overtake them or also not make a bowl game? And while we're talking about Virginia Tech, I mean, Virginia Tech's not going to finish worse than 6-5, and five, surely. And yet, you look at the rest of the schedule, Boston College at Pittsburgh, Miami, and Virginia, and there's a, there's a good case to be made that they would lose any of those games. I, I mean, 
we might this feels so strange to say but we could be staring down the barrel of a five and six non-bowl eligible uh, virginia tech team this year i would agree with that i would completely agree with that they can easily lose to boston college uh they go on the road to Pitt, where they've only won once ever at heinz field uh doesn't work well usually uh now virginia tech in theory should be favored there because Pitt is atrocious uh doesn't mean anything by the way mm-hmm. um they get Miami at home, and I get Miami is mediocre at best, but they have more talent. Mm-hmm. And UVA is UVA. Is this the year? Could be. Any one of them could be. Now Virginia Tech owns Virginia Tech owns UVA. Like, I get it, but it's got to end at some point. Is all I'm saying. And this could be the one. I mean, good lord, the Hokies scored ten points in Charlottesville last year to win 10 points so it's common at some point this could be the year and one in three not completely unfathomable oh and four them oh and four not out of the question four and oh probably completely out of the question in my opinion just given what i've seen out of the Hokies here the last couple times out well, here's the other fun thing, Mike, is that they could – I mean, this only leaves them with 11 games. They could elect to schedule a 12th game as, as a couple of these teams that have had hurricane-eliminated games, you know, they've done, right? So it, all you got to do if you're Virginia Tech is win one of these games and then schedule a 12th game against someone easy like Old Dominion – wait. Oh, uh, no. Wait, so how about oh, someone like no. – what about like someone like, you know, you had the game canceled against East Carolina, just schedule them. Virginia Tech wouldn't lose to East Carolina. No. How about JMU? <laughs> oh no. Mm. Oh man. I'm trigger. Mm. I'm trigger. I'm triggering the alums. Oops. Whoops. Proud alum. Boston, Boston College minus two. Take that and just yep. run with it. Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock on the ACC Network Extra. The number twenty-two. The newly ranked Mike. First time in Boston basketball conference podcast history. Number 22, Syracuse, a six-point road favorite at the Wake Forest Steam and Deacons. And honestly, I, I almost don't even want to talk about the spread in this game. I want to talk about the total, which is 75 and a half points, Mike. This is – apparently Vegas is just accepting this for what it is, and that is a straight-up track meet. Uh, what is a defense, Joey? You're asking the wrong fan bases here, Mike. You're asking the wrong yeah. fan bases. You are. Um, the over-under seems high, but at the same time, like, is it? You're saying it does, but I don't know if it does at all. Like, if this game I, ended, like, 49-42, would you be shocked? No, I wouldn't. I'm taking the over here, actually. I think I agree. Yeah. I'm also taking Syracuse minus six, Joey. And you know what? Let's lock it up, Joey. Oh, Mike. Saucy. I'm taking the Orange, the team who I declared dead two weeks ago. I'm taking them minus six against Wake Forest here. They went in cover. Lane six on the road. Yep. Win and cover. Dangerous spot when you're laying a touchdown on the road. But you know what? I don't think Wake can score with Syracuse, Joey. Don't see it. I like the orange here. I don't think that's that's necessarily wrong. I think if, if you start looking at like what do either of these teams have in the way of defense, I think Syracuse's defense is more functional than Wake Forest, but that's not that high of a bar to clear at this point. Close. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not by much. Um, Yeah, I think, so the thing we've seen is that like Syracuse, if 
if their first option gets stopped, you know, or if 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 they're going to lean on one way to try to beat you and you can stop it, they have a couple of other ways to try to beat you. And I don't know that Wake Forest really has that. Um, Sam Hartman's going to come out and either be running kind of hot or kind of cold, and that's I mean that's just kind of a freshman thing to do. And either they're going to be able to run the ball on you or they're not. And I think they're going to be able to operate pretty easily against the Syracuse defense, but I also trust the defense of Syracuse to get a few more stops than than the Wake Forest defense. So I think I'm with you. Um, I'm a little bit weary about, again, laying six points on the road. Uh, Wake Forest, I, I do think maybe we're catching a little bit of uh, overrating from the public a little bit and the fact that Wake Forest is coming off a win over Louisville by three touchdowns. But, again, what is that win really worth? Um yeah, let's lay Syracuse in the six. Uh, let's go orange, like, 49-38. I think this is a, a definite, like, track meet shootout kind of game. Yep. Um, if, you're, if you're just looking for, like, a TV show to watch at noon on Saturday, this is probably the one because it's just going to be back and forth all afternoon. Show. Let's move on. The uh, the world-famous 12-15 p.m. time slot on the ACC. Gross, Extra. gross, gross. <laughs> Continue, sorry. Speaking of six-point road favorites, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, uh, a six-point favorite in Chapel Hill against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Total here is 62-and-a-half. And, Mike, I Over. Over. First of all, over. Uh, as you mentioned, Georgia Tech's gone over in, the, like, five of their past six games, I think. Let me look here. Yeah, well, uh, four of the last five and five of the last seven, they've gone over, so – Nate Woody's defense hopefully seems like it's getting better, but not quite there yet. So lean over in this game. Um, North Carolina, by the way, is over in like five of six games this year where they've had a total. So that trend continues. Um, as far as Georgia Tech in this game, Mike, honestly, I'm having such a hard time handicapping Georgia Tech this year, like at all. Um, they've been very back and forth. They've won three of their last four, but two of those were Louisville and Bowling Green, which doesn't really tell you much. Um, I don't think North Carolina is going to have a whole lot of luck stopping this offense either, but I don't know if Georgia Tech can stop North Carolina's offense. We've said that North Carolina is due for a win. They've been playing some close games. They, they've seemed like they're nearly there. Georgia Tech going on the road. It seems like a bit of a letdown spot. I'm just going to take the Tar Heels plus the six. I, I'm really tempted to just pick North Carolina to win this game outright because I can't have nice things. Um, I, I mean – I don't have a whole lot of reason here other than, again, Georgia Tech's offense, there's been a bit of a quarterback back-and-forth controversy of sorts with Tobias Oliver and Taquan Marshall, and I don't know the defense is going to be in really good shape to do a whole lot to stop this North Carolina offense. And, yeah, just give me give me UNC plus the six at home, um, and I, I might lean on them just winning the game outright. It's about time that they won one. Oh, Jesus, do we agree again? We might. Yeah, I got UNC plus six here as well. And I don't really have a real good reason for it. It's just that, like, North Carolina has looked competitive. They haven't quit. Like, Georgia Tech's coming off a huge win in Blacksburg on a Thursday night. Uh, seems prime for a letdown spot here. I think Georgia Tech wins. Would not be surprised if they cover. But... If I had to bet this one way or another, I would take UNC plus the six because I do think they're due to pull off an upset week, but I think they'll at least keep it close. 
Well, I'm going to put it this way, Mike, is if if I felt really confident that Georgia Tech was going to win this game, just that they were going to have at least one more point than North Carolina will at the end of the game, I would probably bet Georgia Tech to cover. Right. Because in the games that they've won this year, they have blown the other team out, right? They haven't had a single win by less than like three scores. Um, I don't know. They, they've only played one game within one score, and that was the pit loss by five points, right? I mean, Georgia Tech has either gotten beat comfortably or beat other teams comfortably all year, and that's kind of been their MO for better or worse. Um, so this to me is almost in, in a way more about just who's going to win. Um North Carolina, the other thing that I wanted to consider here and is making me hesitant about taking the Tar Heels, at least outright, is North Carolina is now one in six. They've only got four games left on the schedule. So they're they're talking about best case being five and six, probably missing a bowl game. They don't have a ton to play for at this point. Nope. And they're looking at a Larry Fedora who might get himself fired at the end of this year and the whole thing. So I motivation kind of comes into question a little bit, I think for the Tar Heels at this point in the year. And so that's something to consider, but I, as I've been with a lot of these Georgia tech games, I'm going to recommend just staying away from it. I don't know what this team is on a week to week basis. They're really inconsistent. I realize they've won three out of four, but it's just not, I'm not seeing a level of consistency that makes me feel good about what I'm going to pick with them. So just take UNC plus the six for now for the sake of picking, but I wouldn't bet this. Yep. 3.30 PM on ABC. The Florida State Seminoles and Raleigh taking on the NC State Wolfpack. The Wolfpack, a nine-point home favorite. They return home here after a, a few weeks away. And, uh, Mike, they, they're coming off of a, a kind of disappointing last-minute of sorts 10-point loss to Syracuse last week. Um, NC State, not quite, not quite what we thought they were before they won on this road trip. Uh, that would be true. But they lost to War Machine Clemson and ran to a buzzsaw Syracuse offense. Hey, you know what offense is not a buzzsaw? Uh, who's that, Mike? That would be Florida State. Oh, the, the Knowles. Imagine that, the team they're playing this weekend. Um, <laughs> wow. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> NC State wins and covers at home. They're not as bad as everybody thinks they are. Okay. NC State minus nine. At Ryan home. Ryan Finley for days here for days. Yeah. Again, I don't really know what to think of either of these teams. I don't either. It is so. This is the. This has been probably the hardest season I think so far, Mike, of trying to quantify what any of these teams are. That's because the conference sucks, Joey. It, it kind of sucks, but in in like the result of sucking is the fact that. Anything can happen for any team in any week. And so, like, us betting on games, you might as well just be flipping coins with Siri in every game. Is like, I can sit here and try to quantify what any game is going to be, but how the hell do I know what's going to actually happen here? So I'm going to go against I'm going to go against you here. Whatever. Give, me, right. give me the nine with, Siri, with Florida State. I mean, I guess they go on the road and, and try to get some pride back. Willie Taggart talked this week about some guys quitting in the game against Clemson, and they're going to try to correct that. So maybe you get a bit of a better effort against by the Knowles. This is one of these where I'm going to go against conventional wisdom. I, I know that NC State is a better team at this point, but I don't care. Just give me the Knowles plus the nine. I don't think they went outright, but NC State wins maybe like 31-27, something like that. Sure, that's fine. Uh, when we flip coins with Siri, it, as long as Siri gets it right 55% of the time, um, we'll be happy. 
That's good programming if you can get that right. Correct. So, yeah. Um, if if you're working on the Siri, uh, just work on the uh, the gambling advice that she gives because it hadn't really worked out that great so far. That's all we need. That's all we need. Uh, all right. So I've got Knowles plus nine. You've got Wolfpack minus nine. We'll move on. 7 o'clock p.m. on the Deuce. The Duke Blue Devils on the road at the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Arcanes, Mike, a nine and a half point home favorite. D- what is Duke at this point, by the way? What is Miami at this point? I'll follow what? your question with a question. <laughs> Damn it. I don't know because the you answer applies to both. I don't know. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know either. Duke yeah. started the year like kind of good, but maybe against bad teams, and then got drubbed by Virginia Tech, and then beat the tar out of Georgia Tech, and now has lost two in a row to Virginia and Pittsburgh. And it has been a year in Durham, Mike. Um, meanwhile, Miami. <laughs> we already know that story. Um, I, I'd like to think that Miami is good enough to win this game by at least 10 points at home. I mean, they, they have a clear talent advantage over Duke. They've played a whole lot better at home than they have on the road, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. We land almost 10 points with Miami at this point. I'm just, I have, uh, okay, let's play this game, Joey. Didn't you Duke have... win this game last year? <laughs> uh, did they? No, 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 because Miami only lost to Pittsburgh. So you're right. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. So um, let, let's play this game, Joey. What's more likely? Miami covers nine and a half or Miami scores nine and a half? Like at least nine and a half? Correct. Yeah, I probably should have phrased that better because obviously they can't. They're incapable of scoring nine and a half points. I um, mean, the, the angles and the tackling I saw from the Duke defense last week means Miami, Miami on sheer athleticism is going to score like 31 points in this game. They gave up 54 to Pittsburgh, Mike. Sheer athleticism this year should get them past most of their schedule in theory, but it hasn't. So, you know what? I'm going to ride with you on this because we have said for a while that Duke is kind of phony this year. They are. I'm going to go Miami. I'm going to trust our Canes, Mike. I am too. I'm taking Miami Miami. minus, minus nine and a half. Minus the nine and a half, and we're getting into this nasty habit of laying a bunch of points again. We are. Uh, not a winning proposition, usually. Yeah, not really. Um, here are the, by the way, touchdowns that Pittsburgh scored against Duke last week. Uh-oh. Kenny Pickett, 30-yard run. Maurice French, 50-yard pass. Quadri Allison, 4-yard run. That's short. Uh, Levique Carter, 31-yard run. Levique Carter, 16-yard run. Maurice French, 25-yard pass. They had, like, one touchdown of less than 10 yards, and and most of these were, like, 30 yards plus, which tells me that, again, either Duke just had a really off game taking angles and tackling and that kind of thing, or the defense is not nearly what it was when both Ben Humphreys and Joe Giles Harris were out there and healthy. Uh, combination, right? Like, a lot of things going on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Quadri Allison had a big game running the ball last week. And if there's one thing that Miami can do right on offense sometimes is run the ball. So I'm going to say they get that part right and okay. cover, the, cover the nine and a half. Because also, I don't know how Duke's going to score. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to score either. And like maybe Miami's defense isn't quite as good as we made them out to be in the beginning of the year, especially. But 
with all that being said, like, you know, Duke cannot hang with Miami. No. Um, on on paper, they really can't hang with them, right? And Miami is due on offense. Like, they're really due. And I think this is the game where, like, you don't need stellar quarterback play to win this game comfortably. I, I really believe that. Um, Duke's defense isn't good enough, and their offense certainly isn't good enough. Miami's defense hasn't been great, but they're at home. They should be fine against a bad Duke offense. Duke's offense is not very good, Joey. No, they're not. Um, in by the addition, way, I confirmed Miami won this game on the road last year by 25 points. It was 31-6. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, and that was a weeknight game, I remember now, because I was down in Blacksburg, and I remember watching that game, and I picked Duke to win, and they didn't and couldn't. <laughs> And Miami won it pretty comfortably. Miami's offense is really due, Joey, and they don't need good quarterback play to win this football game. They could have mediocre quarterback game, quarterback play, and a decent run game will get the job done here. So I got Miami to cover nine and a half in all seriousness. Um, I think they win this thing going away by like 10 to 13 points. Uh, it might require a late score to kind of put it out of reach and cover, and cover the spread, but uh, I'm pretty confident in Miami here at home. Total's 51. Mm. I think if you're going to bet that, you have to bet the under. Yeah. But you could see Miami running this thing up like, I don't know, 38 to 14 or something like that to where it would kind of find its way over. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mind the under, though. I I think both of these defenses are probably the better side of each team, so keep that in mind. Anyways. I'd agree. I'm probably not betting that, though. Yeah. Last one, Mike. Noon on ABC, national television, to watch the Louisville Cardinals as the uh, sacrificial lamb of the week going into Death Valley to take on the number two Clemson Tigers. New award. Who are a casual 39-point favorite. And, Mike, here is the most important number you need to know about this game. Right now, if you wanted to hand a, a sports book $1 saying Louisville will win this game, and Louisville, by some act of God, found a way to win it. Like if Clemson got like locked in the locker room and physically couldn't make it on the field or something, and Louisville won the game by default, do you know how many dollars you would get back for the one dollar that you handed that sports book to say Louisville would win outright? How many dollars would I get back, Joey? One hundred and sixty dollars. Good God! Louisville is plus sixteen thousand just to win a game. This game, Mike. That is. You don't understand 160 to one just to win a conference game. Like Rutgers doesn't get those odds. That is the most obscene, absurd thing I've ever seen. And I'm laying 39 points with Clemson because there's no chance in hell. Clemson can kind of name, name their score here. I mean, like I said earlier, if they decide they want to go out here and score 70, they're going to score 70, Mike. That's, that's all you got to know. I have a fun little thought exercise for you. Uh-huh. Is Louisville the worst team in the Power Five? Ooh, it's a good question. Kansas has three wins. They do. David Beatty has that thing going in the right direction. How many wins does Rutgers have? Oh, Rutgers might be their match. Rutgers is really, really bad. Rutgers is dreadful. I had a uh I had a friend of mine say that uh Ohio State was on upset alert against Rutgers in week three. That's that's adorable. Guess guess what happened? 
They they weren't on upset alert. They, they weren't. Rutgers died. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, that that's what happened. Oregon State. I mean, they're two and six, but they've also had a couple of close games, and they gave Colorado or they beat Colorado last week in Boulder somehow. Good team, by the way. Colorado's a good team. They're they're not bad. Um, yeah, I think you're talking about Louisville and Rutgers, really, at this point. Um, I mean, even Arkansas is two and seven, but I mean they they beat Tulsa, they shut out Tulsa, and they 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 damn near beat Ole Miss and Texas A and M was a touchdown game. I mean, that's yeah. I think it's either Louisville or Rutgers at this point. Worst team in the Power Five, and it yeah, Arkansas beat Tulsa, and I'm probably picking Tulsa to beat Louisville. Had to add, right? So uh, yeah, Tulsa at one and seven in the AAC. Uh, they're bad. They're bad, but it, like they still look like they give a damn, and that's more than I can say about Louisville. And I mm-hmm. think that's the thing, Mike. Ultimately, is like call the coaching what it is, call the the talent what it is, all that. Like Louisville could be kind of a functional team if they hadn't quit already. Like they they realistically, by all measures, they probably should have been a better team than Wake Forest. But again. I don't think they care. The defense doesn't look like they care. And in an in, in effort-based, you know, kind of practice, if you just don't care, you're just not a not a useful unit at that point. I mean, that's that's it. And by the way, they only have four ranked teams in their final four games, and so that's going to go great. But yeah, Louisville is dreadful. And as much as we're talking about Clemson minus anything, thirty-nine points is a boatload of points. But let's land, Mike. Let's land. Yep. Now, I got Clemson minus 39 as well. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but I do. I got Clemson minus 39 here. You're giving almost six touchdowns. Don't and care. And you don't, don't feel bad twice. about it. Don't think twice. Not even a little bit concerned. Clemson will have 39 in the first half, maybe. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, Mike, um, the, you mentioned that your pick of the week is Syracuse minus six, and I haven't brought mine up yet. The total on this game is 61 points. Now, there is a certain um, gambling principle that talks about massive spreads and kind of low totals. When the spread is like well over half the total, you probably consider betting the over on that. Um, the only way that Louisville covers in this game is if it's like a 38 to 3 kind of game, right? But I, I mean, I'll check the weather, but I don't think that Clemson's got any reason to score less than 50 points in this game. They just, they just scored 59 in Tallahassee, right? And even if they bring in the second string, I still trust Chase Bryce and them boys to keep running up the score. So give me the over 61 in this game. I feel really good about that. Let's lock that up, Mike. That's oh, my pick of the week. Oh, man. Pick of the week? We're going over 61 in this game because that's a low total. And if Louisville can just get on the board, I mean, I don't see Clemson stopping short of like 56 points to start this game. Like this should not be a, a, a difficult over to make. I, I think you just go over and, and just don't don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Louisville's not going to give any sort of resistance on defense. So whatever. Over 61. Pick the week. Lock it up. Boom. 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 Let's see. Weather for Clemson, South Carolina on Saturday. And I need to upgrade my internet speeds and it's 65 and sunny with no chance of precipitation and less than five mile an hour winds. So yeah, Clemson's running it up on Saturday. If wow. anything, they're going to, they might start taking a knee in like the third quarter to try to stop from getting uh, fatigued. I was going to say, what a great day for a funeral. 
<laughs> oh god <laughs> and they're dead joey and they're dead now the question is mike is this a look ahead spot because clemson has to go to chestnut hill and play boston college next week no clemson minus a million <laughs> i no, definitely not a look ahead spot minus like, anything. Yeah. It, could, it could be a look ahead spot and they could still win by six touchdowns uh, absolutely they could all right. Uh, yeah, Clemson minus 39, and my pick of the week is that game to go over 61. Oh, um, no. Oh, no, Joey. Clemson played their worst game of the year and won by 45 points. Yeah, really. <laughs> I want to hear the playoff, playoff committee talk about that next week. They only beat Louisville by 45 points. What Do we uh, do we think that they're worthy of the playoff? Wait, wait, but what is their best win? Oh, my yeah, God. Seriously. Hashtag go cards. Uh, yeah. Hashtag L1C4. Mike? Uh, that's all I got. Picks of the week. You got Syracuse laying six on the road at Wake Forest. I've got over 61 in the Louisville Clemson game. Uh, both of us four and five on the year in picks of the week. So uh, here's to getting even. Here's to it. Um, it's only going to take Clemson covering a massive spread and me putting blind trust in Syracuse to beat North Carolina by more than six points. I'm sorry, Wake Forest by more than six points. Um, whatever. Let's rock with it. I mean, I don't hate it. That's it's bold, but it, it can definitely happen. And Syracuse is definitely the better team. So yeah, let's ride. Hell, dude. Hell, dude. I mean, I picked against Syracuse last week for my pick of the week. I picked NC State to cover. Um, and hey, you know what? Syracuse proved me wrong. So now I'm rocking with them this week. So don't prove me wrong twice. There you go. Be cool, Orange. Just be, yeah, cool. be cool. At Dino Babers, be cool, bro. <laughs> Mike, that's all I got. Uh, anything else to hit on uh, we uh, before we dive into week 10 fully? Should be good. Um, another full week of ACC games here. Uh, good conference on conference action. Absolutely. Uh, last thing I've got, Mike, actually, I've got one more thing. And, and I'm, I'm very disappointed to report. Uh, it seems as though the ACC Coastal 4-4 four and four singularity is no longer mathematically possible. Kill me. If uh, if Duke had finished the drill and beaten Pittsburgh last week, we would be having a different discussion right now. However, the dream uh, has died just short of November. Uh, we will not have a four and four everybody in the league uh, kind of year this year. So we will uh, we'll try again next year with the Coastal Division. Don't count that Coastal Division out, Joey. Don't count them out. Never. Except in, in, in Charlotte here in a few weeks because Oh definitely count them out of that game. Yeah. That's gonna get ugly. That's that's a tune up game for Clemson. <laughs> Don't count them out except in the conference championship tune up against Clemson. Count them out of that. Goodness. Um uh, let me look and see. I, I want to see if I can figure out what the S P plus spread would be. Um and it's not really listed in here. All right, never mind. I'll I'll work on figuring that out and I'll I'll see if I can report that back later. Sweet. Uh Mike, that's all I got. You uh, you ready to uh, watch these games and come back and recap them at the end of the weekend? I am. Uh, I'm going to Virginia Tech Boston College, and I'm actually kind of mad that I'll be at the game because Kentucky plays Georgia at the exact same time, and that's a game I'm much more interested in. I mean, is it? You know, you know how that game's going to go, right? Like, Georgia's going to win that game like 28-7, to 7, and it's Kentucky's going to have like 94 rushing yards, and it's going to be real ugly, I think. You sure? Yeah. George's rush defense, like, not great. You sure? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. That's not going to be that competitive of a game. Kentucky's Benny so Snell? one-dimensional. Benny Snell? They're so one-dimensional, Mike. Benny Kentucky. Snell? Yeah, yeah. 
Georgia's got more ways to beat you than Kentucky does. Benny Snell? <laughs> I can't emphasize this enough. The Notorious? The Notorious B- BS? <laughs> and, and the Notorious BS. That's basically our podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness. That would, that would go on the back of the jersey on player nickname weekends. <laughs> Definitely. And I'd be cool with it. Um, <laughs> shit, put it on my jersey, man. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, I, I also like Georgia. Uh to win probably by a couple touchdowns, but I, I'm much more interested in watching that than I will be watching my team try to defend the D train, AJ Dillon. That's fair. By the way, Georgia opened as like a 10 point favorite and it's down to nine. So if you think they can win that game by at least 10 points, uh, I guess it's on the road. Yeah, they're in Lexington. So it's a road game, but it's also Lexington. So it's not quite the uh, imposing atmosphere that some SEC road games can be. So, uh, sure. Georgia minus nine seems like a, a decent play, but uh, yeah. not an official one for me. I don't know. Uh, it could be it. Could, it could be though. It could be an official one. It could be. Keep an if eye on Mike's Twitter Saturday morning. If it gets, oh, I always put those picks out. If it gets under nine points, lay them with Georgia. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't trust Kentucky to keep that game particularly close, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, Mike, I got to go to a wedding this weekend. I'm going up to Ooh. Dallas. For those for those who don't know, I live in Houston. Um, I got to drive up to Dallas Friday night, going to a wedding Saturday afternoon and evening. Um, yeah, that that whole bachelor party I went to here a few weeks ago in Cancun. Now we got to do the actual wedding part of this whole deal. So I'll be there, but it doesn't start till like four o'clock Eastern time. So I'll get at least the early games in and kind of monitor what's going on. Most of them are done by three o'clock at this point, anyways. Um, only what, three games in the ACC this weekend after 3 o'clock? So uh, I should have a, a pretty decent view of what's going on. Yeah, you get, you know, ACC afternoon. <laughs> ACC before tea time. <laughs> and, not, and not in the golf sense either, more in the British sense. of uh, Yeah. Yeah. Before afternoon uh, Good Lord. This has gone on too long. We need to, keep, we need to get out of here, Mike. Okay. All right. Well, uh, while y'all are watching the games, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And thank you to, again, Keith Derrick and uh, Mr. Andrew Parker for sending us emails to uh, keep the show moving and keep the lights on in the inbox this week. We much, much appreciate that. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Facebook. 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 Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. We appreciate those who have. Uh, and thank you. You know, the DMs are open on Facebook. So uh, hit us up there if you got uh, if anything you want us to hit on. And, and we're more than happy to uh, expound on them on the next podcast. Uh, last thing, Mike, they can find us on uh, YouTube if they want to see my my cool Under Armour Georgia Tech shirt, which is soon becoming a relic as we have a new Three Stripe Life partnership. But yep. uh, they can check that out. They can also check out the dark beer that I've been drinking and all the candy you've been funneling during the show, um, as, as one would oh, do on Halloween night. All the candy I've been funneling. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to leave that on you. But if you just keep a close eye on it, you might uh, see me sneak a couple. So it's out there. Yep. <laughs> All right, Mike, you want to come back and recap these games on Sunday? I do. Um, <laughs> pray for my Hokies. 
I am, uh, <laughs> I, Joey, I'm very, 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 very nervous about this. Mike, are you are, are you a fan of the movie Space Jam? Oh, Christ. Of course I am. You remember, I can't, I think it was on the first half, maybe a little bit in the second half, where they show the shot of the bench and like everybody's got these varying ailments and their arms in a sling and they've got a cast and crutches on their leg and like one of them's on a table with like an iron lung and some stuff. You remember that scene in that movie? Yes. I, I have a bad feeling that might be what the bench of Virginia Tech looks like. Oh, <laughs> you know? no. At, at about you know six o'clock on Saturday, so oh no, like you said, pray for the Hokies, pray for the Hokies. Oh man, Thoughts uh, hopefully, players. hopefully this isn't a game that I leave like with twelve minutes to play. Um, in, <laughs> in a bad way, bad things in in a bad way, not in a good way, right? Yeah, yeah, hopefully not. That I mean, if it's in a good way, I mean, yeah, you can be at the bar by the time the game's over and. I will be anyway. The late games, yeah. <laughs> either way, I mean, either way, I'll be at the bar. Um, real quick, we we didn't touch on this when we previewed this game. Just real quick before we get out of here, um, the Scott, the Virginia Tech version of Scott Leffler shows up on Saturday. Does it matter? Mm, yeah, actually, I think it does. If you go from handing the ball to AJ Dillon thirty to thirty-five times a game, and you hand it to him like thirteen times in this game. And you ask Anthony Brown to throw 40 passes, he's gonna get two or three of them picked off. And at that point, you get short fields. I mean, it could change the way the game is played. So don't get cute, Scott Leffler. Uh AJ Dillon, 13 carries for 187 and three touchdowns. <laughs> he only had 13 carries because he was in street clothes by the second half because he was right. just resting. Uh sell high, Joey. His legs got tired from all the sprinting he was doing down the field and pads and all that. And anyways. Uh, good luck to your Hokies, Mike. Enjoy the game. Hope it goes okay for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, yep. we'll, we'll talk Sunday. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC.